Qui-Gon's body goes up in flames as the Jedi Council, the Queen, Governor Bibble, Captain Panaka, the Handmaidens, and about a hundred Naboo troops. Twenty other Jedi, Palpatine, Obi-Wan, standing with Anakin, Jar Jar, Boss Nass, and twenty other Gungan warriors watch. There's a drum roll that stops. Doves are released and the body is gone. Anakin looks to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, he is one with the Force, Anakin. You must let go. Anakin, what will happen to me now? Obi-Wan, I am your master now. You will become a Jedi, I promise. To one side, Mace Windu turns to Yoda. Mace Windu, there is no doubt the mysterious warrior was a Sith. Yoda, always two there are, no more, no less, a master and an apprentice. Mace Windu, but which one was destroyed, the master or the apprentice? They give each other a concerned look. And this is to the better end, where we rewrite last chapters for better ever afters. And that is the last chapter, or actually, to be correct, the second to last scene in The Phantom Menace, which is episode one of Star Wars. Um, This is Corey Evanson, and joining me again is Dave Ramirez. Hey y'all, how's it going? And we're here to discuss uh, The Phantom Menace, its flaws, uh, and how to fix them. We're going to discuss it now, and then at the end you'll see, or not see, you'll hear our rewritten version of the final scene. How it should have ended, period. Yes, the definitive correct ending. Uh, to this first episode in the Star Wars franchise. Um, And the reason we chose the second to last scene of the movie to read at the start of this episode instead of the last last scene is because our rewrite is going to be of that second to last scene because I believe, and I think Dave would agree with me, that that scene is a stronger, just the setting and what's happening is a stronger ending point Mm -hmm. than the more upbeat kind of uh light and airy ending that's currently there um it's not a super strong point i don't think because it doesn't really add anything you have that final look between the queen and palpatine but other than that there's not a lot of like there's not a lot of tension not a lot of foreshadowing really that happens and there's not really a lot of like i feel like they ended it and they were just like aha a celebration ending because they did do something good but it didn't yeah it was a weird resolution to a problem that still it's just like a like a kind of party which just doesn't feel very for the gravity of what's happening mm-hmm. in the movie just doesn't seem super fitting. Yeah. So I and think ending on that, that emotional low point mm-hmm. um, with the promises that are given between uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, and then also that concern between Yoda and Mace Windu, I think there's a lot more room to improve there. Mm-hmm. So I'll be excited to, to work with that. So... We introduced ourselves briefly, uh, but just to add a little more information to what you know about us, we've decided to ask each other one question. Um, So 
Dave. Do you want me to go first? Ask you real, or do you want to go gonna first? I'm going to ask you first. Okay, 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 okay. So I'm going to ask you a real, real basic question. Okay, I'm so excited. You if you could own a restaurant in any country in the world, but you had to serve pizza no matter where you were, where would you serve it? That is a good question. Oh my gosh. That's like way better than the question I was going to ask. If I had to own a restaurant anywhere around the world and it had to be a pizza shop. Yep. Um, Jeez. Uh, that is a really good question. Thanks. Um, I'd probably want to go somewhere... I probably want to plant somewhere where like pizza isn't too heavy in the, an emphasis where like I mm-hmm. have a lot of competition, but I also don't want it to be in a place where I would hate to be in. Okay. I have it. I have okay. it. I would like to have a pizza shop, um, in England, uh, mm. but in the countryside, like in the downtown oh. of a really small countryside place. Mm-hmm. So like good choice, good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I'd love to have a little pizza shop there, somewhere where the kids can hang out and smoke weed. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but somewhere, someplace where the kids can come and have a good. Time. You can keep them off the streets. Maybe, yeah. And have good pizza, cheap good pizza. Okay, nice, nice, good, que- good answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, what's your my question? question for you, I'm really excited about this one. Um, Corey, if you were to be held at gunpoint in the city streets of New York City, um, and the only way to save your own life and the life of a dear loved one that's near you, I'll say that there's someone oh. there. Um, the only way to save your life is to answer this one man's question, or woman's question. Hate to assume the gender of someone robbing you. Um, oh. or someone holding it at some point. Um, what would you tell them if their one question was, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Dave. <laughs> 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 well, I've already been shot. <laughs> oh, I think no. we can say that. Um, Cause held at gunpoint, I still don't know what my favorite ice cream flavor oh, is. That's not true. <laughs> It to is. Put some, to put some context I would probably to just this. say something lame like chocolate, unless I knew they could tell if I was lying. And yeah. then I'd probably start rambling something about how I'd really like, um, like pecan, like pecan praline ice cream. If only there weren't pecans in it, that oh. would be my favorite flavor <laughs> of ice cream. I think. <laughs> what a troubling. And concept. I don't, I don't know what that says about me as a person. <laughs> Uh, I think that's no really one... fun. <laughs> Thanks. And that's what I would start rambling about if I was being held at gunpoint. And the only way to save my life and the life of someone I love with, love with, that I love, in a city I've never been to. <laughs> that's really is... funny. I can only imagine you, like, getting so stressed out for you to be like, oh, I don't know. If, if I were to have a flavored beef pecan flavored with praline but like if there are no pecans and just that's just ridiculous like what makes it taste so good but pecans be so terrible or something i don't know yeah that's probably about it they'd be crying involved i'm sure that's really funny yes that would that would probably be that would be my answer okay that satisfies Um, my question all right those are two great food related questions ask those to your friends please like leave us Mm -hmm. a comment on instagram or now we're available on apple podcast app so leave us like a review and a comment there with like 
and Spotify. Ooh, also Google uh, Podcasts. For all of our We're available G there folks too. There. Yeah. Yep. We're available pretty much everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, through our direct RSS feed, too, if you want that, which is just to thebetterend.com. So pretty simple. Um, but yeah, so let us know, like, where would you open a pizza-only restaurant if you had to? And what is your favorite flavor of ice cream if you were being held at gunpoint to answer truthfully? Mm-hmm. Um, I bet you have better, more concise answers than we do. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, so Dave, get us started with a nice two sentence sim- summary of the Phantom Menace for those of those of our listeners who don't know anything about Star Wars. Um, great. So we've decided to do a quick summary of the movie before we start talking about it. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie because I don't think my two sentence summary will do it justice. Hopefully, maybe my two sentence summary will attract you to go see it. Um, on Disney Plus. I don't know. We'll see. Just just be aware that we've spoiled literally everything just about. I mean, we started with the second to last scene of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's still an enjoyable <laughs> yeah. time. Know that you, Qui-Gon Jinn like is dead for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just get that heartbreak right out of the way. Just Meet really him, love him, <laughs> and then and just know the whole time be haunted by his death that, that is impending. Yeah. Uh, and if we haven't warned you yet or you, you haven't caught on yet, there are going to be spoilers mm-hmm. for everything you love in this whole episode. Right. Uh, so and every you... episode to come because we're talking about the endings of things. So Right. And if you haven't seen it, like go see it. Cause yeah. But also gonna, you've had so much time. Yeah. It's like been since so long. Yeah. Which we said. Yeah, you've, you've, you've had a long time to yeah. get to watch this. So not our fault. You don't, you don't know anything about it yet. Okay. Here's my two sentence summary of the movie. All right. A small issue with the Galactic Trade Federation instigates the beginning of a very draining war. Will the peacekeeping, lasered sword-toting monks of the universe be able to keep balance in the universe? That's my two-sentence like summary. Um, I like it. Thank you. I'd like to thank my mom and my parents. Thank you for... Wow. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> expected like one. an audience clap at the end of that, but there's... It is just me in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, and me on the other side of the country. Um, in my podcasting studio. Because um, I'm professional. It's a lie. My podcasting studio is also my bedroom. More professional than I am, I will say. Because I'm just recording from my laptop on GarageBand. That's fair. I do I do have the mic, the stand, the whole, the whole shebang. But I think we should jump right in there with one, our our preface as we'll always have that we love Star Wars. We're not here to like pick apart anybody's baby, mm-hmm. and like, which what a terrible visual, um, and <laughs> and to like hate on George Lucas or his creation. We're right. here to appreciate it and to go through the fundamental exercise of how can you improve stories and like the elements of storytelling that go into that, and looking at these well-beloved stories provides an excellent like way to do that so we do love it don't at us please yes please we're so Uh, sensitive do not cyber bully us (laughs) i mean you can cyber bully me a little i i I think i can take it but yeah i cannot take it it. (laughs) 
<laughs> only only good thoughts and and kind words, please. Only good vibes, please. <laughs> um but I say we jump right in there with our flaws, mm-hmm. uh, expanding on what we had talked about previously in episode zero, which if you haven't listened, go back and listen to it. Um, so our main issue with the force is that it's it's really ambiguous um, and that there isn't a lot of structure to it or or understanding. But specifically with this movie, we've highlighted three things we want to talk about. So the ambiguousness of the force the lack of follow-through, and then the poor character arcs that happen. Mm-hmm. So Dave, like, let's explain a little bit about the ambiguous nature of the Force. Yeah. Um, There's just that weird, this weird Force that's just going throughout the entire universe that apparently is supposed to, you know, give everything life and create each situation to be, like, balanced, I guess, right? I don't know. Yeah, but it's also a non-living thing, so, like, you can manipulate it in non-living things, mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. So, it's like, it's like a life force, but also in inanimate stuff, which mm-hmm. begs the question, like, how much life is available in, like, how much life is given to each of these, like, non-living things, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that confused me the most about the force is, as I rewatched The Phantom Menace, I liked a whole lot more than I remembered having liked it. Uh, I just noticed I kept a running list of all the crazy things that the force enables people to do. Mm, yeah, that's like not explained, and it's not consistent <laughs> because sometimes the force lets people do stuff, but not always. It's so like it it can guide people and give feelings. I'm doing like mm-hmm. spirit fingers around that word, um, because that's not really defined because it might give one person a feeling in one direction and another person a feeling in another direction. And they might not get the same understanding from it, which is confusing to me. Uh, it powers the lightsabers. That seems pretty clear. It's never explained really how, at least not in these films. I think it's through metaphorians. Yes. Like through, cause it's also... Okay, so unlike a lot of other probably, like, systems of magic, which we'll probably get into later into the mm-hmm. show, like, um, usually, like, maybe in softer magic systems, I think, like, there's the idea of, like, this entity that's just, like, kind of invisible and just kind of happens with its own rules. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, with the Force, there's also, like, there's, like, science to it. Right, because it can like be measured. Right you can now. take a blood test to find out how many midichlorians you have, which tells you yeah. how strong you are in the Force. And Qui-Gon Jinn mentions this, too. He says, like, because Anakin's like, what are midichlorians? And he's like, well, midichlorians are the powerhouse of the Force. Yeah. Um, Welcome to Science 101. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think that's what he says. It's really close. Yeah, it's kind of close. Wait. Yeah, there's just a lot that's going on. There's just so much unexplained with that, too, because it's, like, a science, yet also this invisible, like, entity throughout the universe that just, like, has no explanation at all, and the story doesn't really do it justice by explaining what it is. Yeah, and it can, like, be manipulated to push droids away or other, like, non-not that inanimate objects is what i meant to say it can be used Mm -hmm. to like push things away or like pull things to you uh Mm -hmm. it can be used to to perform mind tricks where you can like 
persuade someone to agree with you or or to think according to what you're telling them to think but it only works on some races like apparently if you're greedy enough it won't work on you which is a wild idea that like the force is this all-powerful all-pervasive thing unless you're motivated by money in which case it doesn't work yeah, because I know that there's some, like, which I guess bounty hunters are motivated by money, now that you mm-hmm. mentioned that, too. But, like, a lot of bounty hunters go through, like, or maybe not just bounty hunters, other, like, sub sub races or subcontexts, so, mm-hmm. like, go through these weird trainings where they um, just train their minds to be, like, blocked or defended against the Force whenever Jedi mm-hmm. come, and they do this kind of mind trick thing, which is really interesting and, like... Also, not explained, you know, like how powerful is it and how, yeah. And also, is money the anti-force in in this world? That money is the only thing more powerful than the force? (laughs) That's going to be my new theory for for this minute. Uh, Also, to to mention this about the force, which is kind of frustrating, Mm -hmm. I think to a lot of like Star Wars fans, I know me and my, um, me and my old roommate would talk about this for hours after we had seen the rise of skywalker um and like i said spoilers we don't care um Mm -hmm. like we were both kind of frustrated with the fact that like ray um could all of a sudden like heal through the force and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so like the abilities that one attains throughout the force like it's evolving constantly like throughout right. each movie there's, there's like no new consistency like new stuff there's is introduced no whenever like people whenever the people making the movies feel like they need it it's very ex machina ish of like mm. this just out of them the machine comes the solution to whatever the problem is and it's not super satisfying it's surprising because you're like oh they've backed themselves into a corner and there's no way out but it's not mm. super satisfying because that's a cop out like uh using the force to like make the snake less mad at you yeah. <laughs> or like solving it by just healing the snake is right. is such a cop out it really is not to say that like violence or like use of force uh is the only like appropriate way to get out of such like like troubles but if you're going to use the force to get out of that by healing, then at some point it needs to be set up earlier that healing is an option, that that's a setting that the Force has. Mm. Um, so in addition to that, uh, it can also help people see things before they happen, which is yeah, very rarely I... very helpful. <laughs> um, right. Because for all the ability to see things before they happen, they sure do let bad things happen to them a lot. Uh, it yeah. can impregnate people, apparently, because Anakin's mom. Right. It can help. Well, also, hold on. Um, back to the foresight thing, too, because I was just mm-hmm. thinking about this recently. There's an episode of The Clone Wars where I think Ahsoka had been learning to tune into her force sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was it's a really interesting thing, too, because, like, not only can they see force, like, not only can they see what's to come, but they can also change the outcome of what could potentially happen, which is really Mm -hmm. interesting. So like they see it, but it's not necessarily the most accurate representation of what is going to come immediately, which Mm. I don't know. I think it is pretty helpful because I guess that leaves like whoever sees it 
that gives them the free will to kind of change their own destiny. But also at the same time, sometimes that doesn't happen either. Because there's also that vision that um, Anakin gets where Padme is dying and then she dies, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, By different causes, of course. But it's just like, that's just what happens. Versus Mm -hmm. in this episode, Ahsoka had seen a vision of Padme being murdered. So she changed the outcome of that and, like, upped her security intel and, like, stopped the murder from happening. So it's mm-hmm. really interesting how far they can see as well. Yeah. And there just doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, definition to, like, how far they can see or what the parameters of, like, how much can they mess with that. I yeah. guess. Um, they can also read minds or thoughts, yeah. apparently. Uh, it can be used to help you fly or jump really big, as evidenced by, like, Obi-Wan. And, oh, you pointed this one out to me, the super speed dash. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I was so frustrated when I saw this. It wasn't, like, a frustration. It's just that, like, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan and notice every small detail every time I watch the, the films. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I read, I, we both rewatched this movie before we started uh, recording this episode and I remember watching it and something coming up that I was like, what? <laughs> and I had to rewind it like twice to see what had happened. But like after when they got on the trade federation's ship to do the negotiations, they had realized that they were being attacked. So they had like, destroyed a bunch of droids and then they walked out and they see a bunch of droid decas come up you know and arm their guns and they're ready to shoot and then Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are just like all right let's head to the hangar you know like they're trying to Mm -hmm. plot an escape and they just like super speed out using the force which I have never seen or even like wondered about so it apparently gives you like godlike reflexes where you can just like literally alter the the nature of like your own humanity and like do whatever you want which makes me beg the question of like how i don't know hearing talking about like how much of a cop-out it is and how ridiculous it is sometimes it makes me think like oh why is this a part of the story the story because i feel like it just makes star wars a little bit harder to kind of process you know Mm -hmm. It does, and I think it's a really fun thing to play around with, but the only challenge is you have to set it up in a way that the audience understands why it's being used that way. Now, you don't have to make yeah. it super predictable. You can still make it kind of something out of the blue, but it needs to be... It needs to make some kind of sense, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure how else to explain that at the moment, but... Not quite a Chekhov's gun situation, but almost like a like a Chekhov's bullet that you need to explain mm. somehow or give some kind of idea to this is a possibility and put like load that into the gun before you can fire the gun. Yeah. Because otherwise it seems like some kind of miracle or like magic outside of the kind of magic it's supposed to be. When stuff that we've never been introduced to before happens. Um, uh, Did you ever read the book No Exit, Dave? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so a bunch of us shared around this book. Uh, I think like one friend read it first and handed it to another friend who handed it to me. 
And then after I finished reading it, I handed it to another friend. And then I don't know where the book ended up after that. Hopefully back to the person it originally belonged to. But it's called No Exit. And it's Hmm. masterfully written, I think. For something that's really kind of easy reading, it's this murder mystery-ish novel which is really not doing it justice and i really don't want to spoil the whole thing because that one is more recent we're not talking about it for the episode and and i will refrain from just ruining it on purpose but i know such such refrain i'm having to display uh self-control but (laughs) one thing the book did really well was foreshadow stuff in such a way that i didn't guess or most people didn't guess what would happen But when the unexpected did happen, you thought back to something earlier in the book. And it gave you that satisfied feeling of, oh, that thing I thought of as insignificant turned out to be really significant. Um, Well, actually, I am going to spoil it a little bit, I guess. Uh, I've given up on self-control. I'm no Jedi. Uh, (laughs) so what happens is this person is needing their, they're stuck in like a, an exit, like a, like a truck stop kind of thing. Not, I guess an information center. I'm losing all like descriptive words for it. Um, and they're stuck in a snowstorm and there's only so many people there and, and through a lot of dramatic, terrible things that happen, they really need the police to come to their location. Um, and so they call and they, they're able to leave a message or talk to someone, uh, over the phone and like, say, I need police sent to this address. But when they're looking at the map, they look at the wrong exit. They, and you know this because of something else that gets shown earlier in the book that they think they're at one exit, but really they're at one exit farther down. And so they've sent the police to the wrong address. But you don't pick up on that until later when this person is so desperately like waiting for the police and they're like moments away from death. And you also know the police are coming, but the police get to an empty exit and there's nobody there. And that's when you realize they're at the wrong exit. Um, But it's set up so that you go back. Like I flipped back to those pages and I was like, wow like it really was put here ahead of time that like this foreshadowing that this would happen and i just didn't notice the same way the character didn't notice and i think that's the really like masterful way to to put stuff like this into the story that if you Mm -hmm. want to let the force do the whole ex machina thing and step in and save the day you have to have somewhere like put it into the the watcher or the consumer's brain that this is a possibility in a way that doesn't give away that it will come up does that make sense that makes so much sense and i feel like that's such a satisfying way to like end the story as we've like been talking about Mm -hmm. before like how storytelling should provide like a sense of satisfaction it reminds me of i literally just had this moment um and maybe we talked about this in the last podcast if not we're gonna talk about it now but like um the fact that like stories are supposed to like give us a satisfactory ending or a satisfactory understanding of like, Oh wow. We just went through that whole story. Like mm-hmm. almost as if it were a journey. Um, I've been watching American Vandal. Have you seen American Vandal, Corey? I have not. You have to watch American Vandal. I'm not, this is not sponsored. I feel like I should say that. I don't know who's <laughs> going to 
police us, but um, no, I literally just watched. It's a murder mystery, not a murder mystery. It's like a a mystery show, almost like CSI. Do you ever watch like CSI Miami and stuff like that? I have, I have. I feel like those shows do a really good job of like presenting that idea of you know, mm-hmm. there's something here at the beginning, and then at the end, it's like the thing that was presented at the beginning was such a small detail, or like it's just a detail that seems not like insignificant. Mm-hmm. It's now being presented at the end in like such a grand way that you're just like, holy crap. I would have never known mm-hmm. that or I would have never. But what like... makes it satisfying is the fact that you, you recognize that I could have made that connection. Yes. I just mm-hmm. didn't. Yes. That's what's so satisfying of like, oh, I should have put two and two. I can't believe I didn't guess that. But like yes. the, the opportunity of like, oh, I could have guessed it. You know, mm-hmm. like that's true. Yeah. So it's still Insane. possible to get these these ah like that surprise moment Mm -hmm. while still defining the system Mm -hmm. so i would say our first solution to that first flaw is we have to pick a magic system for the force and so let's talk a little bit about the basic magic systems that exist in storytelling Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got much like with cheeses you have hard and soft are the different uh, magic systems uh, you can have a hard magic system, which is like in Harry Potter, where there are strict rules and like formulas that go into it and where pronunciation even it, like counts against you. Um, and you have to get things just right to manipulate or use the magic in the way that you want. Typically in these forms, in like hard magic systems, and this is me kind of riffing off of what I know, is that... I think the magic itself tends to be more this natural thing that has no will of its own. Does that make sense? Yes. Would you agree that's kind of how the magic system works in Harry Potter? Which one did you say that one was again? It, you like so that's out. like that the, one... that's the hard magic system. I would say, uh, I don't know. And Harry... You would say that's a hard magic system? So it has rules that have to be followed, like things like tone and inflection have to be used properly, and you have to do all the right things to get the outcomes you want. Oh, then yeah, if that's the case, then yeah, I could agree with with Harry Potter being like a hard magic system. I don't think it's communicated as much to be like a hard magic system. There's that one scene I would say the thing that... Right, but I would say the biggest thing that would tell me it's a hard magic system is that there's a school where you can learn how to use it. Yeah, ah... I see. Yes, that's that's the that's the big like signi- signifier for me, uh, mm. where like yes, people are born with an innate ability to use magic, but they have to learn how to use it properly. Yes. Um, so that's like a hard magic system, and then you have soft magic systems, where it doesn't mean that the system doesn't have rules. It just means that the rules are not clearly defined to the audience. And that it's a lot more intuitive based in how it gets used by the characters. So like think Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. and like Gandalf is a wizard and he obviously has magic abilities, Mm -hmm. but it's never clearly set out like what the parameters of his abilities are. Like he can create a light, he can make magic fireworks, he can fight a Balrog, but he can't, like he doesn't just use magic for every like everyday things Mm. and we never get a clear definition of like or we're never given a set of expectations of what Gandalf's magic can be used for 
So what is the force? Is the force like hard or soft? Because well, I, I think. Say... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, my opinion is, is that it sounds more soft, but then the justification is off with it because if, like, in Harry Potter's case, for example, if there's a school for, um, if there's a school for the magic system, then, mm-hmm. like, of course that's a, a hard magic system, but yes. Then there's like the Jedi institution, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, but in my, and at least what I'm feeling, if I can, whatever, mm-hmm. use Qui-Gon Jinn as my encouragement of processing thought. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel like it's, the force is more of a soft magic system yes. because of how free willing it is. Like it's not mm-hmm. like, okay. Uh, it's, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. So I was going to say, I think the thing that you missed when I cut out earlier talking about the hard magic system is hard magic, usually the magic in the world, is mm. not is not itself a character. Like, it is just an element, like another element of nature to be used and manipulated. Ah, uh, that is but the in thing a that, soft, that cut out. <laughs> okay, but in a soft <laughs> magic system... Um, the the magic itself usually tends to have a, a level of a mind of its own, if I understand mm-hmm. correctly, and it can have a will of its own. So it's not a thing being manipulated or used in a scientific kind of way. It's a thing you have to like kind of almost be in relationship with. Hmm. So uh, what do you think the force is? So I think the force is trying to be both. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's one reason the mud, like the, the waters are so muddied about it of trying to understand like what are the parameters of the force and then also why is it so strict how you live as a person sensitive to the force I think it's because it's a soft magic system masquerading as a hard magic system or that's been forced to wear like the school uniform of a hard magic system and I think really I would advocate for it should be freed from a lot of its obligation towards hard magic and either like allowed to be like a full on soft magic system or you need to have a little bit more structure in like what the force enables you to do Hmm. and make it like kind of put it in a, in a, in a straight jacket and make it like adhere to its own rules. I think what's more natural to the way George Lucas has written it is that it be more a soft system. Hmm. Which means you would lose some of the you'd lose some of the sciency side of it. Possibly. Right. But I think you would hold on more to the spirit of what it's meant to do. Okay. So our solution for this last scene that we're rewriting would be mm-hmm. to identify it with more of a softer magic system would you say or would you say okay so just fully subscribing it to this is what we're going to claim it yes which i think would transform our jedi from because the jedi are kind of in this in-between land too and and correct Mm -hmm. me if you think this is off because you're definitely more of the star wars expert than i am but it seems almost like they are a religious order trying to be a like student body kind of order Hmm. like they're trying to go a really scientific route 
in what seems to be more religious or uh, spiritual-ish thing. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> well, I <laughs> think it's kind of both. I think it's kind of both. So, like, they have the the like spiritual rules and they have the the way of life and all these philosophies and mantras and things that guide them these guiding principles but then they Mm -hmm. also pull from things like like i cannot get over like how disrupting it is to a movie experience where you're supposed to buy into like that this is a magic kind of world sci-fi kind of world and then somebody does a blood test (laughs) ah yes like that's so jarring it feels very out of place yeah. So I think you'd have to step away from the temptation of going for like a a hard magic system where you can get exact counts about things and you can test for stuff that way and you can uh like you're manipulating the force like it like we manipulate electricity. I think you'd have to step more towards this is a like a living breathing existing thing of its own that we can learn to be in harmony with and then like uh tap into yes so it's kind of a subtle difference it's kind of a subtle difference and you'd have to let go of i know this might be controversial and you might also hate this so i'm open i'm open to not making this a hill i die on Mm -hmm. but you might have to let go of the midichlorians. Mm. I don't think I disagree with you. I think I would be, because that would like. It kind of not... looses the force from its chains, I think. Yeah, it that's true. But I think too, I don't know, because the, also the midichlorians have, I feel like I'm being too loud. Um, the midichlorians also play that, that role of identifying, you know, um, that prophetic chosen one too. So I don't know what maybe replacing. Well, I think you'd have to have a different way to measure the, a different marker for the chosen one. Yeah, I was gonna say like maybe replacing a different indicator too, only because that's what makes it so important. But no, I see, I see where you're, I see where, where you're coming from too, because it makes the most. I think too, if we're identifying it to a softer magic mm-hmm. system or to a completely soft magic system, I think that we, the best thing to do would probably be to get rid of the midichlorian. So I'm yeah. with you there. Okay, so that's kind of an extreme measure, but I think I think we get rid of the midichlorians, we commit to being a soft magic system, we focus the Jedi more on the spiritual kind of uh, mon- monastic mm-hmm. kind of role that they seem to be taking anyway. Uh, that, se- that always feels more natural, I think, in the movies. Um, and so we step away from that science-y side. Mm-hmm. And then... I think you also have to decide in the same realm, which this also gives you the room to, with it being a soft magic system, this also gives you the room for it to continue evolving what it is willing to do for people based on their relationship with the force. So you could have someone who is like so force sensitive that it does something extraordinary for that person or that person can do something extraordinary. Yeah. Where when like, the force is meant to be something that can be measured and like controlled and all this stuff, then you really don't leave yourself space for that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's one big solution. And I think in addition to deciding if it's a soft magic system, which we have, we also have to decide, um, 
Oh goodness, now I've lost my my train of thought of what we have to decide about it. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, yeah. Oh, talking about uh you were just mentioning um talking about like the the bias for the force to take. Oh, so yeah. then we have to decide what does the force want if it's if it's a living breathing thing of its own. And mm -hmm. I think the most obvious answer is that the force wants balance. But what is the balance? Like, what is balance? Mm -hmm. And it, without getting super into it, because I think that's something we can get into more in future movies, uh, as we explore, as like that idea gets explored more, we can explore it more. I'm just going to throw this out there, that I think balance is going to have more to do with where people are in relationship to the force itself than where they are on a spectrum of light to dark. Mm. Do you think that makes enough sense to, to leave it there for now? Yes. Yes. I think it makes okay. enough sense to leave it there for now. Okay. And I think that's all we have to know for episode one. Okay. So now our second issue is the lack of follow through, which we've talked about a little mm. bit, where Star mm -hmm. Wars is super good at introducing so many things and people and stuff uh, and not very good at paying it off. So that Chekhov's gun issue. And that shows up a lot here. In addition to keeping a list of like, what the force does. I also kept a list of all the things that get introduced in like the first 20 minutes of the movie, which is the Jedi, mm -hmm. the, the trade Federation, the Senate, the Republic, the Sith, the chancellor, Queen Amidala and several species, uh, and different cultural systems all get introduced in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's a lot. And I think that's almost more than can be explained in in one movie. Yeah. Like even the even the idea too, and I'm bringing this back, of mm -hmm. like Qui-Gon Jinn being like, oh, the boy has so many midichlorians. And like the follow through there is like followed, it's supposed to be, I guess, followed through with like the storyline of the Skywalkers and their whatever. But even then there's not, really good follow-through of like well where did this prophecy come from what are midichlorians right. what does it mean if he has more than yodas you know like there's mm -hmm. a lot of these ideas that are never just satisfied in explaining like okay well why are you there you know like what's what's the deal here and i think they do a really bad job not only yes. in the prequels but like also in the like original trilogy yeah i think i think that's a common issue throughout the whole the whole franchise so i think something that would be really cool is if we if we introduced stuff early on in the movie that get paid that gets paid off in this movie and in the next two movies in this tra in this trilogy not tragedy and mm -hmm. something that gets paid off in the next trilogy and also in the sequel trilogy mm. now we probably can't do all of that but something I would like to have seen rewritten is I think there should be something more to why the Jedi are getting involved in this trade federation issue with Naboo. Mm. Because for a people group who are so dedicated to non-interference, as we're told the Jedi are, they sure are getting interfering with something that seems rather like petty, right? Like a whole, mm. the whole galaxy and they're dealing with this one planet and their issues with the trade federation it seems a little a little small right yeah so this is something seems... i was thinking of is what right. if there was some hint that the chosen one 
of the force was on Naboo ahead of time. Was on the what? Was on Naboo ahead of time. Like, what if the Jedi mm. had some indication that the Chosen One of the Force, by whatever measurement we'd have to decide, since we're not using midichlorians. Interesting. But by some measurement that that the Chosen One was on Naboo. And so they're using this issue with the Trade Federation as like kind of a two for one deal or an excuse for going down there to interfere. Oh, well, yeah. really, they're also looking for the chosen one. Uh oh, Corey. Yes. Sorry, you cut out there. Also, to the audience, um, just some context um, <laughs> to why I'm like, what? And like, wait, what? I'm on uh, Discord right now with Corey, and I live in Nebraska. She lives in Georgia, so <laughs> it's a little bit hard to kind of communicate. Um, yeah. With like <laughs> inter internet connection so just and your wi-fi is sketchy there yeah which is i'm not even using the wi-fi which is like why i'm like oh but you're using a hotspot or whatever or data yeah but so just what what did you say then so i'm saying like the jedi what if they had some prophecy or hint that the Mm -hmm. chosen one of the force is on naboo and so something about this trade federation uh like issue makes them feel like the the chosen one might be in danger or that they need to interfere Mm -hmm. and so they really go there to seek him out um or to at least protect the planet yeah i i I actually kind of like that a lot because it gives like it gives not only the trade federation a good reason to like you know, cause all this. Well, it also gives the Sith who are motivating the trade Federation a good reason to cause all this. Right. And it gives a lot of leeway to, or just, it makes the story like more interesting of like, Oh, that's why they were in the boo in the first place. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. out of all the planets in the system, I know that queen Amidala is like very influential and like, that's part of why But her planet seems pretty lame, like not lame, but not powerful. Yeah, there's not a lot going on. There's, like, the one main, like, city on Naboo. And then there's, like, the Gunga City or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. And that's the one thing that we're talking about, too, of, like, there's a lack of follow-through. Like, why Naboo? And I think this would, adding that in the prophecy would make, like, I think it would really do justice to the follow-through of, like, why they were in Naboo in the first place. Like, I think that's really good. Okay, then I, I think we should keep that. And I think that would be a good thing to follow. Like, that could be followed up on. You could even mm-hmm. add in other complications, and I'm going to talk about more stuff than we can actually add into our version of the story, but you could even add in complications of what if the Sith believe Palpatine is the chosen one because he's from Naboo? You there, Dave? Wait, I did not hear you. What did you say? <laughs> Uh, I said, what if the Sith believe that Palpatine is the chosen one because he's from Naboo? That's interesting. Okay, you did hear me that time. I did hear you. I did hear you. I'm just like, I'm now silently processing. (laughs) And so the Sith think they've found the chosen one and they've been grooming him all this time. 
Hmm. I don't and know. That, I think I'm. I think I might have to sit on that one for a while because I'm still trying to. Think well, of and like, it's just it's a thing that could be hinted at and not necessarily like a full on thing. Hmm. Um, but I think I'm I'm definitely committed to the whole Anakin. There has to be some prophecy or precursor that that draws the Jedi to Naboo and motivates hmm. them to like choose Anakin. So what do we what do we make of Tatooine then? Um Well, what do we make of Tatooine? I think we make of something we make something of Tatooine when we get to Tatooine. Is that more of like a, a we'll cross that bridge when we get there kind of situation? Yeah, we'll deal with that planet when we get to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely well, possible because I think and like there could be more exploring of like what this prophecy said too. Yeah. Um, That's true. Because the prophecy is never clearly defined. It's just referenced as right. far and as I'm aware. And since it's not really mentioned in the, the general public of consumption, mm-hmm. I guess of star Wars, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, since it's not really mentioned, I guess we can really make whatever we want of it, you know? Yeah. I, I agree with I agree with that and we're kind of doing that to the things that are spoken of also. Um mm-hmm. but I think we need to start talking about our third Yes. And this kind of the lack of follow through kind of flows into our character arcs comment where we're given these characters that we're meant to care about, um, but there's not there's not a ton of growth. Like they start in one place and they end up like nowhere. Yeah. Because we're given, oh, we're given Obi Wan and Qui Gon Jinn's relationship, who I love the two of them together anyway. As like, I just think their mentor relationship is really great, um, and they they really carry the movie. I think, but there's some growth for Obi Wan, but there's not a clear tie other than Qui Gon's death that like triggers his his switch over from his point of view where he says like, why are we picking up Anakin? What are we doing with him to his diehard devotion to he's going to make sure Anakin becomes a Jedi and like wild death of like a loved one could be a strong motivator in that direction. I feel like it could just as easily have motivated him to spurn Anakin and not want to have anything to do with him. And so I think that's... Sorry. Uh-oh. I'm not going to say it again. Okay, bummer, because I did not hear it. You can listen to the podcast. Oh, great. Um, I, think there's just a, I think there's just a general lack of payoff in character development and not a lot yes. of setup in the same way we've talked about with, with like the Force and with other elements that get introduced. Like People are introduced, you're told to care about them, and then they don't grow, or they grow in ways that don't seem consistent with who they are. And I think right. Obi-Wan is a big example of that. And I think Anakin, if you look at him over the course of all the movies, is also a big example of that. Mm. Um, and we are, we're looking at the Star Wars movies from a, a linear point of view. So we're looking at it from like one, we're calling one episode one, the first one. And so, and this is also the way I would want to have written these stories because otherwise you end up with this this issue of having to go back and write something that didn't exist before and you're having to like you've 
you've already forced your hand and like, you know what the ending has to be. Right. Um, so but we we're working with, uh, with the material from the start so we could change things if we want. So how would you present the solution? Would you just like make, and this is like me dreaming a little bit. Would you make like, cause I always like to think of, I'm reading, at least I'm, I'm attempting to read, um, one of the star Wars books to be Mm -hmm. more well-read. Um, and I well-read period, not just like in the universe. I just don't read it. Um, (laughs) and, uh, like, do you, I like to, their relationship in that book, Mm -hmm. in the beginning of that book is very like, um, is very interesting because like Qui-Gon Jinn doesn't really, you know, celebrate obi-wan's skills or appreciate his skills from like a master to apprentice kind of situation mm-hmm. and it's it's very cute i think it's really cute of just like qui-gon being like gosh he needs to be faster or like he uh i can't believe he hasn't whatever mm-hmm. figured out how the force works yet and i don't know so in this solution would you present maybe like obi-wan being a little bit more fearful of being a jedi knight and then towards the end of the story being more ready or, yeah. or like maybe like the, the, the old tale of like Obi Wan being too cocky, of uh, being so ready for the Jedi Knight, but knowing that he really isn't, and then at the end of the movie he ends up really being ready for the Jedi Knight like trials or whatever. Yeah, I think you'd have to show him growing as a person, both in like his confidence as a Jedi and also in his confidence in like in Obi-Wan's leadership, not Obi-Wan, in mm. Qui-Gon's leadership too. Right. Of like, he really questions him. And partly I think because he feels uncertain himself, but then you mm. see him really see things panning out the way Qui-Gon has predicted or Qui-Gon has like explained. And then, so mm. he feels more confident in himself and in Qui-Gon. And that would lead to him being willing to take Anakin on. Hmm. Um, and I, I'm going to start, I'm going to start laying the groundwork for, I don't think we necessarily, like, I think Anakin does have to become Darth Vader at some Mm -hmm. point, but I don't think it has to necessarily be the path that's set before us now. Hmm. Cause I think you can have genuine character growth. And fall from grace in a way that seems more consistent throughout. Hmm. But we'll get to that planet when we get to it, too. Okay. Um, so I would say, speaking in really general, broad terms, our major changes to this movie would be we would define the Force as a soft system eliminate midichlorians and the scientific elements and focus more on the spiritual monastic kind of side of the Jedi and even also of the Sith because the Sith already Mm -hmm. seem to treat the Force as a soft magic system. Mm -hmm. Um, And then using that, since we've defined it as a soft system, we've shown a little bit of how the force does have kind of a will of its own um then somehow showing uh 
what the the prophecy is and some indication that the prophecy of the chosen one would be tied to Naboo. Mm. That this would motivate the Jedi to go and interfere in in issues at Naboo, at Naboo. Uh, and that it would also lead. And you could even maybe we have the prophecy as something that not everyone among the Jedi believes in. You could kind yeah. of have that divide, right? Of like people think Qui Gon's a little nutty because he believes in this prophecy, even like the Jedi council or something like that yeah yeah like maybe qui-gon's an outlier even among the jedi council Mm -hmm. and so that would kind of be like why he kind of goes off on his own to do this and why the jedi don't seem super officially involved and then also why obi-wan might not believe qui-gon or might be skeptical because obi-wan's more new school he's not he's not given to believing just just random prophecies right but he's going to see that prophecy being like being shown to be true. Mm-hmm. And that's going to, that's going to be part of his growth and his becoming more confident in Qui-Gon and then ultimately himself. And all of that will lead him to this loyalty to Anakin. And then I think, uh, in our final scene, we're also going to have to have something that hints back to our prophecy. And yeah. maybe some acknowledgement from someone else. Yeah. Uh, and then I think that sets a, us up really well for the next movie. Because one, it gives it gives Anakin more purpose. And it becomes a far more character-driven versus plot-driven story, I think. Uh, it main it maintains some of both, where you you have a plot obviously like things that need to happen, mm-hmm. but it's no longer so disjointed because the common thread throughout all of it is this chosen one narrative. Does that make sense? Yes. Um. And by introducing like this conflict of what the what the force prophecy means to people who people who believe it people who don't and all that we get more internal and external conflict uh mm. which is also good because good stories have both yeah you get this internal conflict in obi-wan who I think is also positioned to be a really like major character. I don't think he gets to live up to that all the time in the in the movie as it is. But I think he is positioned to be that. Mm. As the the coming of age like apprentice. Right. So you have this internal conflict of him where he doesn't feel confident in himself and he's not entirely confident in his mentor. And you have the external conflict of the Sith, uh, like being in external conflict with people. Hmm. So, how do you feel about I, that? I agree with it. I think that, yeah, I think that it does a little bit more of the characters that are presented within the story a lot more justice as to why they're there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, I know Obi-Wan is there because he's, he's Qui-Gon's Padawan, but, you know, like, why 
why it would be so important for like Qui-Gon to instill confidence in Obi-Wan as he takes on his newest challenge, which is to bring up mm-hmm. the next Jedi with Anakin as his Padawan. So I, I agree. And I don't want to run out of time because it looks like we're heading a little bit over time, but mm-hmm. we should, the solutions I think to our problem, uh, kind of rounding them up is subscribing the force to a magic system, the, the bias and, satisfying smaller ideas that are paid off later on in the end and then creating growth for each character um, and bringing in a little bit more confident storylines between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and then a good mm-hmm. transition into the next movie. So are we assuming too, as we're rewriting the ending, that like it that we're transitioning from the end of this, like we're transitioning our new ending to the beginning of how the other movie is already presented? So I think we're we're looking at it as each of these will be rewritten, all of them. So we're transitioning not from what we've rewritten of this movie into the next movie as it is, mm-hmm. but into the next movie as it will be in light of our rewrite. Mm. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yes. So I think, and I think the crazy thing is going to be the farther we go along, like the bigger the bigger the ripple effects are going to be mm-hmm. like the farther out we get the the more things are going to get different so right now our changes seem kind of small mm. but i think they're gonna have big repercussions as things go on which will be interesting to see also i think yeah and it'll be good a really good mental exercise to kind of figure that out too of like wait but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I think it'll be fun. My rewrite for the ending of this one will actually, I think it's going to be three scenes um, mm. to give it a really good, like, setup ending. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty satisfied with what, with what we've done. Yeah, me too. I think it sets up the story really well. Um, and this is, this is really good. And also you skillfully guided the conversation away from my hatred of Gungans. Um, yeah. Good, because I don't so like the your Gungans, agenda. So the Gungans no, survive stop. unscathed. Uh-uh. Wait. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, censorship makes sense to me. <laughs> oh, no. Also, you said no, stop, as I was saying, so the Gungans get to survive unscathed. Oh, wait. <laughs> so no, no, During no. this internet connection. Wait. Now, now, all of you will know, uh, the Gungans will not exist. They've never existed stop. in this version. No. And they're all gone. Don't let this happen. I love Jar Jar Binks. What a good character. Well. Very not beneficial to the plot, but very... I mean, I don't know. I think he's a good beneficial part of the storytelling. Just because I'm a firm believer in having a nurse in each story. Like they did in Macbeth and in Romeo and Juliet. Hmm. A very comedic relief. Hmm. An interesting theory. Uh, well, this has been a wonderful time discussing how to rewrite the last chapter for a better ever after. Uh, and this is to the better end. Yeah. Join us next time. Thank you for listening. Um, if, if you listen to the last one and you're also listening to this one, we appreciate it. And we hope to see you on the next podcast, I guess. Yeah, and and keep writing your own story to find the better end. Mm-hmm. Bye.
Bye. <laughs> hey, this is Corey talking to you from the future. You will have just finished listening to Dave and I discuss how we would fix the fatal flaw in the Force, or at least begin to, here in episode one of the Star Wars franchise. Now, you're going to get to hear me read what are our final three scenes for this movie. Uh, I've made edits and changes to some of the scenes, inserted one that, that doesn't exist at all in the original form, in order to bring those changes we discussed to life. So, I invite you to listen to and enjoy the better end of The Phantom Menace. Scene 1. Turret Room, Naboo Palace, Late Day. The sun streams into the multi-windowed room at a low angle. It is not quite sunset. Mace Windu and Yoda are standing a little apart. Mace Windu appears to consult a book, holding it open before him. Yoda watches Mace Windu keenly. Yoda. The ravings of a madman, you think. Mace Windu turns a page and mutters under his breath. He closes the book. We see Jin scrawled on the cover. It would make things simpler if that were so. Yoda. Simple things have never been. Mace Windu. He knew his death was imminent. He claims here to have been called to Naboo. Perhaps he felt a shift in the Force. Yoda. Felt more than a shift in the Force, Qui-Gon did. Sensitive he always was. Believe him, do you? Mace Windu looks back at the book and opens to the last of the pages. Mace Windu, I believe he believed. Yoda, an answer that is not. Mace Windu takes a couple of paces away and then turns back. What of Obi-Wan and the boy? Yoda, careful we must be. If correct Qui-Gon was, the future, determined by our choices, now is. Mace Windu nods. He closes the book first, and then his eyes. When he opens them again, he seems resolved. I am inclined to trust our old friend's instincts. Yoda closes his eyes and inclines his head in the slightest nod. Without danger, this path is not. However, agree I do. Send in young Obi-Wan, you will. Scene 2. Turret Room. Yoda stands before Obi-Wan, who is kneeling in the center of the room. Confer on you the level of Jedi Knight the Council does. Yoda pauses as he considers the kneeling Obi-Wan. But convinced of the wisdom of your proposal, I am not. Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon believed in the prophecy. I believe in Qui-Gon. Yoda, The chosen one the boy may be, nevertheless, grave danger I fear in his training. Belief alone, enough, it will not be. Obi-Wan, Master Yoda, I gave Qui-Gon my word. I will train Anakin, without the approval of the council, if I must. Yoda, Qui-Gon's defiance I sense in you. Need that you do not. Consulted the force you have? Obi-Wan hesitates, breaks eye contact with Yoda. Yoda. Emotion, your vision clouds. 
the force you sense not in your anguish. Allow not your anguish anger to become. Anger to the dark side does belong. Obi-Wan swallows. Not all feeling leads to darkness, Master Yoda. Yoda. Right, Master Qui-Gon thought you were. And perhaps right you are. Yoda produces Qui-Gon Jinn's journal. He looks at it for a moment and then offers it to Obi-Wan. Wished you to have this, Qui-Gon did. This, and young Anakin as apprentice. Inclined I am to let you. But careful you must be. Scene 3. Central Plaza of Theed. Funeral Temple Steps. Sunset. Qui-Gon's body goes up in flames as the Jedi Council, the Queen, C.O. Bibble, Captain Panaka, the Handmaidens, and about a hundred Naboo troops, other Jedi, Palpatine, Obi-Wan standing with Anakin, Jar Jar, Boss Nass, and twenty other Gungan warriors watch. There is a drum roll that stops. Doves are released and the body is gone. Anakin looks to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. He is one with the Force, Anakin. You must let go but you must not forget. Anakin, what will happen to me now? Obi-Wan, I am your master now. You will become a Jedi. I made a promise. To one side, Mace Windu is watching Obi-Wan and Anakin. He turns to Yoda. Mace Windu, I see things are as Qui-Gon wished. Yoda nods. Yoda, to what end? See, we will. The intention of the Force, unsearchable for now, remains. The future, uncertain, is, as long as that is so. Mace Windu. Obi-Wan will make a good master. And the boy will learn. I suppose we must hope that Qui-Gon was right on that account. Yoda nods again, eyes on the flames. Mace Windu. Of one thing there is no doubt. The mysterious warrior was a Sith. Yoda. Always two there are, no more, no less, a master and an apprentice. Mace Windu. But which one was destroyed, the master or the apprentice? They give each other a concerned look. End scene and end of movie. That is our version of A Better End for The Phantom Menace. I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed listening to our discussion of the movie and storytelling in general. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. Uh, Drop us a comment or a review to let us know what you liked or didn't like. Uh, Let us know if you are team Dave and his support of Jar Jar Binks. Or let us know if you agree with me and think that we should rid the world of Jar Jar Binks entirely. I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, This isn't the ending. It's just one better ending. Bye.